Welcome to the Quillette Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Kay, a senior editor at Quillette. Quillette is where free thought lives. We are an independent, grassroots platform for heterodox ideas and fearless commentary. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by going to quillette.com and becoming a paid subscriber. This subscription will also give you access to all our articles and early access to Quillette social events. And I should warn you that this week's episode has a decidedly somber feel to it, because the figure who looms over the events we'll be describing, Richard Bilkstow, died by suicide last month at age 60. Bilkstow was a veteran Toronto public school principal. He happened to be a gay man and a political progressive. He also happened to be someone I'd spoken with many times during the COVID pandemic. He even brought me in to speak by Zoom on one occasion with some of his fellow liberal Canadian educators who, like him, were looking to rescue Ontario's school system from policies that, in recent years, have become heavily imbued with radicalized academic doctrines concerning race and gender. They say a conservative is a liberal who gets mugged by reality. I don't know that that's true, and I don't know that Richard ever became a true conservative. But his own mugging took place in late April 2021 at a diversity, equity, and inclusion workshop organized by his employer, the Toronto District School Board, or TDSB. At this meeting, a DEI trainer named Kiki Ojo-Thompson, she runs something called the Kojo Institute, presented a lecture to Richard and about 200 other senior Toronto public school administrators, instructing them on the virulent racism that, Ojo-Thompson believes, pervades Canadian society. Canada, she said, is a bastion of white supremacy and colonialism, in which the horrors unleashed by capitalism and bigotry regularly lay waste to the lives of non-white and female Canadians. It was a message that Richard found dubious. Of course, racism and sexism exist in every society, including Canada's. But Canada is one of the most tolerant places on earth, and it's kind of ridiculous to describe my country in that way. I'm guessing that most of the educators on that Zoom call knew that, but only Richard said anything about it. Here's a recording of his comment. I just want to make a comment about uh, the Canada-U.S. thing, and a a little bit of a challenge of it. I did my student teaching in the U.S. and and have spent a lot of time in the U.S. And to say here, honestly, that Canada is not a more just society than the United States is, and we talked about facts and figures, I invite everyone here to, to do some research and you look at yeah absolutely and look at things like education and look how more you think about a system we have in Ontario where every student is funded equally you go to the United States they're funded based on their 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 tax base right I see you're shaking your head but Miss Ojo Thompson was unconvinced and would later attack Richard as an agent or enabler of what she calls white supremacy. In fact, Miss Ojo Thompson said she was happy he had revealed his true, supposedly bigoted colors in this way, so that she could demonstrate how one properly deals with agents of white supremacy, or as she sometimes calls it, agents of white resistance. Here's a recording of Miss Ojo Thompson attacking Richard in front of his colleagues. But one of the ways that white supremacy is upheld, protected, reproduced, upkept, um, defended, is through resistance. And like I said, as, as I began to speak earlier, we had, I'm, I'm so lucky, <laughs> who would have thought my luck would show up so well last week, that we got perfect evidence of an, a wonderful example of resistance that you all got to bear witness to. So we're going to talk about it. Um, because, I mean, it doesn't get better than this. 
Following this public humiliation, Richard took the issue up with TDSB superiors. But as I described in a July 21st story about Richard Biltzo, Richard's superiors took the side of Miss Ojo Thompson. One TDSB superintendent named Cheryl Robinson Petrozini even went on Twitter and celebrated. Thank you, Kojo Institute, she tweeted, for modeling the discomfort administrators may need to experience in order to disrupt anti-black racism. Miss Robinson Petrozini has gone on to become the director of education at another Ontario school board since these events transpired. Indeed, no one on that 2021 Zoom call spoke up in support of Richard, not one from among the hundreds of colleagues who knew him as a progressive, humane, and respected educator. And it's too bad that nobody raised their voice, because if somebody had said something in support in that crucial moment, maybe the tragedy that unfolded might have been prevented. Last month, two years after being falsely smeared as a racist by Miss Ojo Thompson, Richard Biltzo took his own life. And it's pretty clear from the statement that his family put out that what happened in that horrible DEI session was a big reason he did so. Before he died, Richard sued the TDSB for the behavior he endured. And once the lawyers got involved, the TDSB, which had formerly defended Ojo Thompson, now suddenly started saying that she'd gone rogue and accused her of breach of contract. In addition, Ontario's Workplace Safety and Insurance Board conducted its own investigation and concluded that Ojo Thompson's behavior was abusive, egregious, vexatious, and rises to the level of workplace harassment and bullying, and on that basis awarded Richard financial compensation. But financial compensation isn't what Richard really wanted. He wanted his reputation back, something Miss Ojo Thompson and the TDSB had stolen from him. He'd spent the better part of three decades working for the TDSB as an educator, and all of it evaporated in a fusillade of false claims of bigotry made, ironically, by a woman being paid thousands of dollars to supposedly improve working conditions at the TDSB. What happened to Richard is now being investigated by the province and the TDSB, in addition to the WSIB investigation, which concluded that harassment and bullying had taken place. And the scandal is already causing many Canadians to, if only belatedly, take a closer look at some of the toxic ideas and behavior that are now being promoted in workplaces under the banner of DEI instruction. Now, obviously, Richard isn't here with us to talk about the pain he endured, so what I've done is brought in another Canadian who was willing to push back against Miss Ojo Thompson in one of her paid DEI sessions. His name is Bill Dennis, and he's a counselor for the small Ontario city of Sarnia, which sits at the southern tip of Lake Huron. In November 2021, the city of Sarnia paid Miss Ojo Thompson $6,500 for four hours of Zoom DEI sessions. The idea of bringing her in was supported by the city's mayor, a guy by the name of Mike Bradley, as well as a self-described anarchist then counselor by the name of Nathan Colquhoun. That Sarnia DEI session ended disastrously, as Mr. Dennis and at least one other counselor pushed back hard against Miss Ojo Thompson's dubious claims about Canada being a supposed racist hellhole. And unlike Richard, they weren't mild-mannered about it, and they didn't back off when Miss Ojo Thompson tried to intimidate them or suggest they were bigots. In fact, it was Miss Ojo Thompson who cut that training short, and then cancelled her contract with the city of Sarnia outright, claiming that the arguments from Dennis amounted to, quote, undisrupted, uncorrected, and unabated hostility, end quote. She even said that the rejection of her ideas made her feel unsafe. What follows is my conversation with Sarnia City Councillor Bill Dennis, in which he describes the instructional methods of DEI consultant Kike Ojo-Thompson, 
By the way, Miss Ojo Thompson was contacted by Quillette for comment. She never got back to us. My wife just said to me, like, oh, be careful what you say. You know, you could end up getting sued. You know, this lady's lucky I didn't sue her, to be honest. The training that we had happened in November of 2021. I pushed back tremendously. There was another gentleman by the name of Terry pushed back also. And, and as you can imagine, it, now the difference, of course, is ours was in, in camera. What do you mean by in camera? Well, uh, as a city councillor, uh, we didn't have an open session. And it was done in a Zoom meeting. It was like a private session. Um, so she was in Toronto and, and we were in Sarnia. She actually insisted on it being on in camera because she didn't want to r- reveal any trademark secrets and that kind of stuff, which I surmise it, it had nothing to do with that. It's just that she didn't want the public. Uh, her, her, her methods are very, very controversial. Everybody I talked to that's been to these types of courses have said that her method of doing things is a lot different than other people's. She did the police, the Sarnia police. And then after she did ours, she canceled the, the contract with the city because of the uproar with ours, the city councils. And then she refused to do to complete the contract with the city of Sarnia. Now, in, in fairness to her, I, I pushed back on her very, very hard. By the sounds of things, Richard was a, a, a perfect gentleman, actually. He, he, uh, he said it in a very diplomatic way. I saw the transcripts and, and it sounded like he was just making a suggestion. And then for her, the next session to you know to say those things and imply those things were just just totally out of bounds and offside. How many sessions did she teach? Uh, with, that, with the city council, just one. And it was probably an hour. And I believe it probably was cut short in all likelihood because of the pushback she was getting. It was sold to us by our mayor. You know, we're getting a lot of newcomers, new Canadians coming to locate in our city. You know, we should really learn how to, to welcome them. I was in the real estate business for 30 years, and I sold to all sorts of people that came into this area. And I'm thinking to myself, well, well you know, like, okay, fine, and, you know, learn to welcome people. Like, I thought it was more of a hospitality course. At least at first, the council approved it unanimously. And presumably that includes you. Yeah, 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 yes. So you voted for this originally. It was sold to us as a way to kind of welcome newcomers and, and all this sort of thing. And then all of a sudden it turned into a, a Canada bashing session. But I'll tell you, I because of what happened to Richard, I'm reliving it now. She kept on talking about white supremacy and, and how we all have an advantage. And every institution in the country is based on white supremacy, you know, from the courts to the banks to the police to government. There's white supremacy in all those uh, institutions. It has to be torn down. And, and as white people, we do not understand. Even if you think you're not racist, you are racist. And basically all of us are where we are today, not because of we earned it, but because uh, of white supremacy and, and that sort of thing. That really got me hot. I, I, a guy like myself my, or my dad uh, has a, a grade 10 education. Uh, he He's 81 years old and he's still working today. He, he's worked his tail off. Like he, he, this, this is a guy that's 81 years old that still probably works 50, 60 hours a week. He's in real estate and, and he's, he's the longest serving realtor in, in this area. He's been working in real estate for about 60 years. I'm from Toronto, very multicultural city. I've never been to Sarnia, I'm going to admit that. My own stereotype of cities like Sarnia or, or Sudbury or North Bay, my stereotype is that they're not as multicultural as a place like Toronto. And when I look at the pictures of city councillors, most are white. So is, is that why she was brought in? Because it's kind of a white city and maybe some real estate refugees from Toronto where home prices are high are starting to come in. And it, was that the motivation? 
people starting itself. You're, you're right. It's, it's a blue-collar town. It's on the border of Michigan and Ontario. Because of my father being in the real estate business and I myself in the real estate business, we've met a number of people that have come to this area to locate here, mainly because of employment. Like Sarnia is the chemical valley of, of Canada. Um, a lot of people came here for good jobs. Back in the 50s and 60s after the war, um, a number of uh, immigrant families came here, uh, you know, mainly from Europe, Western Europe after the war, e- Eastern Europe, and they settled here. But the landscape is definitely changing. My wife uh, is, or she was the chairperson of the Lampton College Board of Governors. and That's a local college? Yes, and approximately 70% of their students are international students, mainly from uh, East Asia, from India, from uh, Pakistan, from all over that, uh, South America. So things are changing. 100% they are. And, and I got to tell you, those students, they work their tails off. They, they study hard. They aren't afraid to get their hands dirty. Many of them are entrepreneurs. They open up small businesses. Their work ethic is second to none. Just like in the, in, the, in the 50s and 60s, when you'd see uh, maybe people from Greece or Italy or, or Poland, they came over here and they found success in Canada. These people are doing the same here. And, and quite honestly, it's helping our city be better. I want to ask about the motivation for bringing this consultant in for DEI training. You know, after George Floyd in the United States, there was a lot of organizations, including government, that were bringing in DEI trainers because it was seen as the thing to do. But sometimes these people are brought in because there's some notorious incident. Did Sarnia have some kind of horrible racist incident that motivated this? No, nothing like that, no. Let me go back to this course for a sec. Again, no recording exists. A condition of the course was that, that no recordings were taken. But was it the case that the course began and the instructor just kind of launched into the theme of white supremacy. She comes out hard. And I think that's part of what her thing is, is that she wants to come out hard and, and uh, she doesn't want to sugarcoat it. I think it's shock and awe with her. You've got this mayor, Mike Bradley. It sounds like to some extent, the instructor appeared there kind of as Mr. Bradley's guest. Was there tension between you and the other counselors uh, and the mayor? They sat there like a bump in the log. They didn't say anything. They didn't interject at all. But after the meeting, apparently, they sent apologies to her and all this kind of stuff. I think three weeks later, she sent a letter to counsel saying that because of the behavior of myself and Terry Burrell, that she is no longer going to finish her contract with the city. She is not going to continue the the training with the uh, city staff. So she'd already done the police. She'd already done the council, but... There were other lectures she was supposed to do with staff? Yeah, the city staff. I, I don't know if it was the entire city management or uh, the entire uh, city workforce. I, I don't know the specifics on that, but th- that's exactly what took place. So, And then after that happened, of course, you, you had a bunch of political opportunists leak the letter to all the... Now, sorry, this is the letter from the instructor that she sent to the city of Sarnia? Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Then word got out to some of the various social agencies. They, of course, uh, started sending letters to the council. So in the meeting, you interjected. And then what happened? Was the meeting derailed? Like instead of her stock presentation, did it turn into an argument with you? Or? Well, 100%. I think because she had that incident with Richard, she wasn't nearly as snippy with me as she would have been with Richard. I think she could tell that I would have came back at her. Either that or she probably figured it wasn't worth it. The thing is, is, is after it was over with, that's when all the, the other stuff came. There was numerous integrity commissioner complaints filed by uh, left-wing groups. And the complaints to the city of Sarnia integrity commissioner, they were complaining about... The behavior in, 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 uh, in the in-camera meeting. The first one got thrown out. But how did the letter from the instructor, how did that represent what had happened? She was complaining that the mayor hadn't intervened on her behalf to make you shut up? Yes, that, that's it, yes. And she said that she didn't feel safe. 
she did like it was a zoom meeting like it wasn't like i was uh 10 feet from her it was a zoom meeting she said she didn't feel safe in that environment she didn't feel uh emotionally and mentally safe and that sort of thing but to be clear you weren't criticizing who she was you were criticizing her ideas right 100%. And then when the media eventually found out about the whole thing, they, they called her for comment. And then she, she did say, she put out a little little bit of a, a carrot, and she says, well, I may come back under the right circumstances. And, and what she was really implying was, is, is if I, and keep in mind, this, this meeting happened in November of 2021, and this all was leaked out, and this all came to a head in the spring of 2022, nine months before our election. So it was like they figured that they were going to try to take down a relatively popular council. But you got reelected. I was the top voter. People saw through all this nonsense. I owned it. I basically said, you're darn right I stood up to her. This is what she was saying. And, and even though it, it, the, the integrity commissioner, originally he found me not guilty of violating the code. And then the mayor and a bunch of counselors who were left wing, they convinced him to revisit it. And then this time he found me guilty. What of, were the repercussions for that? Oh, they, they were going to um, take away three months pay. But when it came down to it, the council voted not to do it. At the end of the day, we just all decided to put this behind us because the IC commissioner makes recommendations. And at the end of the day, we're the, 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 the jury and we decide what we're going to do. So we just dismissed them all. No one got a penalty out of the whole thing. But the thing is, is, is it was definitely a political smear job. I had my car keyed. I had uh, numerous letters sent to my house threatening my, my dog. Uh, you know, like to, to brand someone a racist or a bigot in, in a small town, is, it's one of the worst things you can possibly do. And that's what they tried doing. What's interesting is sometimes some of these culture war fights are actually more intense in small towns, like places where sort of everybody knows each other or is, or is more likely to know other people. And it's more intense. Sometimes one common factor is when you look at the demographics, you have this conflict between maybe people who arrive from places like Toronto and they, they instantly want to become kind of social justice activists and transform the culture there and stuff like that. Maybe some conflict between those people and other people who have been there for longer. That, that's a very interesting observation, and, and you're probably bang on. You don't know who keyed your car and you don't know who left you all these threatening notes, but sometimes it's people who really want to make a difference in a hurry and who are sometimes new to the community. But this anarchist, from what I can tell, Nathan, I think his name is, he's actually from Sarnia. Is that right? Yes, I, I, I am my entire life also. I'm, I'm 54 years old. I'm born and raised here. I, with the exception of going to school in Windsor and London, I've been here my whole life. And I married a, a Sarnia girl whose family's been here their whole life too as well. So I have deep, deep roots in, in, in the city. Being in real estate for 30 years, people know who you are in a small town. In, in my case, I, I was able to retire relatively young because I, I saved my money. I invested well. So people can't cancel me in the sense that they, hey, I'm not going to deal with this guy anymore. Or I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to get him fired. They can't do that to me anymore. So I, I can be, I can speak out on behalf of the people that think this whole stuff is nonsense. I had so many people come up to me and say, hey, I agree with you. I agree with you. This is crazy. This is nuts. This is, this is uh, absurd. But they can't say it themselves. Otherwise, people will call up their bosses and get them fired because, you know, they, they posted something that is offensive in someone else's mind. Those people literally thought they were going to harm me. They thought, okay, this is a way to get rid of a conservative uh, politician that has conservative values and, and doesn't think the way we think. And it totally backfired on them. That's why when, when you called me today and said, hey, do you want to go on the record? I said, absolutely, I will. I, I, more people need to stand up. And Richard, I wish I had met him. I wish I had a, had the opportunity to shake his hand and say, good for you. And hopefully, hopefully some good's going to come out of this. Hopefully it will encourage more people to say enough is enough. We're letting a small minority of people with radical ideas set the agenda now. It is absolutely crazy.
Just to be clear, when you say small minority, most of those people are white people, right? Like we're not talking small ethnic minority. Absolutely. It's the, the white lefties, they get very, very nasty and they get very, very radical. You know, and, and as a matter of fact, oddly enough, there was a motion just to have the Sarnia Council enter into a diversity workshop again. And then, um, you know, I spoke out against it again uh, for obvious reasons. And, and this is just when I found out about Richard suing. And I actually brought that up at the last council meeting. And then, of course, since then, he's, he's passed. And, and myself and Terry voted against it. And the rest of the newbies and, and there was a couple of uh, veterans, uh, they voted for it. You're saying there's a new round of DEI training yeah. coming in, Sonia? Like, I, I already told them. I voted against them. I said, look, if, it, if, if you guys vote in favor, but I'm not going to attend. I think. It's- but is this the same instructor who's teaching No, I, I highly doubt it. I made them aware of that she's being sued, and, and uh, I've also sent them an email informing them of Richard's death. But you, you want to hear something crazy, though? This just shows you how, how nuts some people are and how they perceive things. I, I was told today that some of the social agencies that were highly critical of me in my stand against the Kojo Institute, I was told that some of them are preparing a letter of support for the Kojo Institute over this whole thing. Like, imagine that. She was a bully to uh, Richard and put that poor man through living hell for two years. These social agencies in Sarnia are actually going to send her a letter of support. Can you imagine that? Well, if you get a copy of that letter, uh, let us know. You bet I will. You bet I will. Bill Dennis, council member for the city of Sarnia in Ontario. Thank you so much for joining the Quillette Podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Quillette Podcast. Quillette is where free thought lives. We are an independent, grassroots platform for heterodox ideas and fearless commentary. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by going to quillette.com and becoming a paid subscriber. This subscription will also give you access to all our articles and early access to Quillette social events. 